You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning and welcome to 1067 The Fan. I am Ben Standig. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Also host the Standard Room Only podcast. But today, I have the pleasure of being here with everyone here until uh, 12.45 on this. Look, I'm going to just say it. It's freaking cold outside. I, I didn't sign up for this. I know it's February 25th and whining about the weather is, uh, you know, is incredibly lame and boring. Uh, I did see a stat this morning that said that this winter, so I guess since like November or December, the coldest day of the week has been at least relative to the expected temperatures, has been Saturday. Lucky for me, this is the day I have to go leave the house. I'd much rather just stay on the couch uh, and and do that whole thing. But here I am. I get to come in, talk sports with you guys. How how uh, lucky is that? Uh, appreciate everyone checking out the show. Lots to get to. You know, you would think that, you know, we're a week or so, uh, a couple weeks past the Super Bowl, the NFL Combine, important in my world as an NFL reporter, is next week. But you would think you'd be like a little bit of a lull here. Hey, shockingly, if you're into the Washington Commanders, no such thing. Never, never, ever, never, ever, never. Uh, 48 hours ago, we had Eric Bieniemy's introductory press conference out in Ashburn. I was there for that, and I've got thoughts on what we heard, what we didn't hear, and I guess, you know, I'm always told, come up with a question of the day. So here's the one I have, and I need everybody here to weigh in at 800. Wait, you know what? My producer, Caitlin, what is the number here? I just totally blanked. What's the, uh, what is the number that we want people to call in if they're not listening to, uh, you know, what they're already listening on the Odyssey app and the radio. Oh, here it is. 800-636-1067. Look, I'm not even got quarter way through my coffee yet. You know, sue me. 800-636-1067. We're, we're, we're all paying attention to Eric Bieniemy, And by all of us, I don't just mean the people here in this town. I mean the entire NFL. Everybody, and, and even beyond the NFL, because Eric Bieniemy's story has resonated into the, into the atmosphere when it comes to uh, social politics. Obviously, he's become the face of the NFL's lack of minority hires at the head coaching level and other uh, executive levels. This is his opportunity to run an NFL offense. He will be the play caller, something he did not have uh, at Kansas City. It's why people saying this is a lateral move are just either it, it will, you know, willingly being ignorant or you know just have no idea what they're talking about. He does have more responsibility. We'll see what the assistant head coaching title means. He's got that too. There will be a lot of eyes on what Eric Bieniemy does this year, independent of how he got here and 
understanding he went from Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback, to perhaps Sam Howell. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that. He may he may deny it. He may say that's not true. There is a lot of pressure that with that comes with this. But you know who also has a lot of pressure on them this year? Ron Rivera. He does. This is his fourth year as Washington's head coach. And in that time, the team has a 22-27-1 and record. And none of those seasons finish with a winning record. Whether we assume that Dan Snyder is selling this team or not, even though Ron Rivera has two years left on his deal, it is hard seeing that fifth year playing out with him as coach if they don't get a winning year this year. And he, the hiring of Biennemi, I wouldn't say it's a risk on Rivera's part. It's already a massive PR win because obviously it is hard to get the fan base excited about anything these days. Trust me. Uh, but people were excited this week. And Understandably so. It's not often a two-time Super Bowl champion offensive coordinator, the reigning Super Bowl champion offensive coordinator, comes to your team as effectively the same position. Again, I just explained why it is not a lateral move, but it's effectively the, the same type of role. And not just any team, not just any team that went 8-8-1 eight, eight and one last year. And has a, a quarterback with one career start. This is, as we know, you know, the most chaotic franchise in the league, and you know, perhaps all of sports, or at least the sports uh, in, in in this country. Uh, Caitlin is a uh, Paris Saint Germain fan, so she may be able to tell me if there's somebody more, uh, some franchise more chaotic in that league. Well, I don't. What is that? What is that league called? It's like the French fo- football or, well, soccer league. It's like League One, or I don't know the French pronunciation. Well, yeah, I no. just call it League One. Yeah, no, I, you, you know, you, you, yeah, you don't need to be bilingual to, uh, to, to, to explain it. That, that's weird. When I was growing up, that league, I'm sure it obviously existed. It was the EPL and the Italian league were the big two. Somehow France has uh, come in and even Spain to a degree, but, you know, follow the money basically. In those cases, we digress. Well, maybe if we get the soccer talk later, we'll get back into that because I do have questions how one becomes a fan of uh, Paris Saint-Germain living over here. That said, Ron Rivera needs to win this year. And even though Eric Bieniemy is now, to a degree, the headline story from the coaching staff perspective, it still comes down to Ron Rivera. And they've got to figure out a way to win, and they're gonna have, and it looks like they're they're willing to do that with Sam Howell at quarterback. Sam Howell, who is a promising player, very intriguing. Uh, NFL Network analyst Daniel Jeremiah yesterday held a press uh, held a uh, conference call with reporters about the draft, and I was able to, to to get in and ask a question. I didn't really ask about the draft. I asked about Sam Howell because obviously he studied Sam Howell last year and wanted to get his view of how did we go from Sam Howell sliding in the draft, being a fifth-round pick, starting one game, and now is being projected to, at a minimum, be Washington's QB1 entering the offseason. How, how did we get there? I'll tell you what he had to say in the next segment that is interesting, though, about way to frame this as opposed 
to just saying, well, a fifth-round pick, one start, how does this work? I'll tell you what Daniel Jeremiah had to say in the next segment. We're going to talk, though, about the draft plenty at 10 o'clock. Fran Duffy, one of the uh, go-to draft analysts out there, will join me to uh, talk about the combine. Who are some of the players to keep an eye on? Thoughts on what Washington could do with the number 16 pick. Um, Speaking of the commanders, at 11.30, my guy Pete Haley from NBC Sports will join us, get his view on enemy and what what comes next for this team. What does Washington uh, have on their agenda next? It's not just, you know, they, they, they didn't solve all their problems the other day by, by hiring Eric Bieniemy. They've got a lot more to do here. Uh, so we'll talk to Pete about that. Uh, also today, it's not just about the commanders. I get it. It's, it's Look, A, this is the beat I cover, so that's where my brain goes. B, I know uh, the various Nats, Wizards, Caps fans will say that, uh, you know, it's too much commanders, and I get it. Trust me, as somebody who has been on your side of the aisle, um, I get it. That said, you don't want to hear me prattle on about the Capitals, but you do want to hear Steve Wino discuss that. Steve Wino from the Associated Press will join me. He's one of the top hockey writers in the country. Uh, the Capitals obviously made a big move this week, trading a couple, away a couple of key veterans in a move that suggests they are planning for the future far more than they are right now. What does Steve make of that approach? Uh, do they did they do enough? Do they need to make more moves before the uh, trade deadline, or do they need to continue to present themselves as a team that is trying to compete, knowing that Alex Ovechkin is still here, uh, and you want to you know make you you obviously want to you know give a good experience to the fans, but what's that line between short term thinking and long term thinking? We'll get to him later about that, and then at eleven o'clock, I'm really excited for this one. It's it, you look. College basketball was maybe my favorite sport growing up. Uh, you know, I, every sport was my favorite depending on the season. But college basketball has faded so much for me. And I think for a lot of you out there, I mean, I talk, I talk to you know, my friends and others uh, about this. And, you know, it is a frustration. Now, at least for Maryland fans, it's been a better day. It's been a better season. Maybe a lot better, I think, than a lot of people imagine. Even though people were excited about the hiring of Kevin Willard, Maryland is much further up the Big Ten standings than I think people imagine they would be. And tomorrow uh, at Xfinity Center, they are hosting Northwestern, the the second uh, uh, the second uh, best team right now in the Big Ten per record. The Terps are right behind them. Huge day at Xfinity Center. We'll talk about that with Jeff Goodman, also one of the top college basketball insiders in the country. But we're also going to ask Jeff about that other notable team in town, the Georgetown Hoyas. Flat out, what, is this the end of the Patrick Ewing era? And maybe more important at this point, if we're being honest, who's the next coach and is it going to be Rick Pitino? That needs to happen from from, from my world. I'm not going to lie. That would be all kinds of fun. I get it. Rick Pitino is a lightning rod for a lot of you. I, I get it. If we're just talking purely college basketball and winning these games, Rick Pitino would be a fascinating choice. We'll see if that's even a possibility for a place like Georgetown. We'll talk to Jeff Goodman about that. But we're going to take... We're going to start off here with talking about the Commanders. Who faces more pressure this season, Ron Rivera or Eric Bieniemy? And beyond that, the ownership situation. There's news, there's buzz, 
but it's all confusing. And I don't think it's really shaping. It's not really helping us understand what is happening behind the scenes. We'll get to all of that and more. Ben standing here with you until 1245 here on 106.7 The Fan. All right, welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standig here uh, with you until 12.45 today. We'll talk NFL Draft at 10 o'clock and dive into uh, college the local college basketball scene at 11. But we'll talk, of course, commanders throughout the show. And I, I should have said also the Wizards. Oh, the Wizards. Uh, they had quite the loss last night. Yet another game in which... They had a double-digit lead and inexplicably blew it. Although, can you say it's inexplicable if it's happens over and over again? Maybe not. Maybe it's expected to some degree, which is a uh, which is a problem in their own right. We'll talk about the Wizards later as well. But if you do want to call in about the Wizards, the Commanders, or you want to get my view on the NFL draft or really any of these other topics, hit me up, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. One oh six seven. Um, I do want to talk, though, of course, about the Commanders, since that is the beat that I cover, and I was out there on Thursday for Eric Bieniemy Day, the introduction for the Commanders' new offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. Uh, was uh, took place on Thursday, and it was interesting because. You know, when you have a person like Eric Bannaby coming here, he's been a public figure for a long time, of course, right? I remember Eric Bannaby playing for the University of Colorado when they won a national championship back in the day when Nebraska and Oklahoma ruled, was it the Big 8 back then, the Big 12? Um, at some point, I think it was still maybe the Big 8 then, whatever it was, he burst onto the scene there. Then he goes to the NFL, has a, has a solid career, playing for a few different teams at running back, special teams, and then gets into coaching. He has been the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator since 2018, was on Andy Reid's staff before that. But as we know, his storyline has become uh, intertwined with the conversation of the lack of minority hires uh, in the NFL at the coaching staff and at other levels. But the real wonder has been, what? why has this human being not been hired when he is interviewed with, according to USA Today's math he's been interviewed by 15 teams with 16 total interviews the jets double dipped with him for their various opportunities how do you have that many interviews and nobody gets nobody says this is the guy we want and on top of that of course it's not that he's an offensive coordinator he is the guy who is on the kansas city chiefs a team that has won two super bowls and made three appearances in four years but the enemy for a lot of people, this does not get does not get or does not warrant, in some people's opinion, a ton of credit for that success. You obviously have Patrick Mahomes, who is, you know, on pace to actually challenge Tom Brady and you know whoever else you put at the top of the food chain of all time quarterbacks, Joe Montana, John Elway, to be one of those guys when it's all said and done. He is his pace is unbelievable. And then Andy Reid. He was there, of course, for those two Super Bowls. He is an offensive-minded head coach. So when you have an offensive, when you have a head coach on one side of the ball, the coordinator on that side of the ball, to me, I'm always a bit leery of, I'm not going to lie, when it comes to uh, uh, the next step. Not because they can't do it, but you don't always know the line between 
where that person uh, ends and where the new and where the head coach begins. Right? It is a it is a tough call. And here it is an Andy. It was an Andy Reid system that Eric Bieniemy was helping to um, execute. But now he gets this opportunity here. So when we're talking with him, when we're watching him at this press conference, what are we getting? You know, it's, it's the same thing happened a year ago with Carson Wentz. Now, look, obviously, we know how that went. Not great. Not great, Bob. But there were a lot of questions about Carson Wentz coming in as to why it wasn't working uh, for him. Why two teams in, in the previous two years had said, we've had enough and, and immediately looked to get rid of Carson Wentz. And we heard about the personality questions, the lack of leadership, locker room leadership, other other factors. So when he comes to the press conference, you want to see who are you talking to? Who is this human being? And I think we all thought Carson Wentz did a really nice job. He he held he held up. Um, he he answered some of the tough questions. He was not afraid to, um, you know, dive into some of the some of the concerns, some of the reporting out there, etc. Eric Bieniemy had a lot of the same a lot of the same deal. He gave an, a quick introductory comment thanking the Chiefs primarily for their for, for that opportunity and he spoke with a lot of confidence. I think to me that was the ultimately biggest take. The conversation was pretty light on specifics. It was heavy on confidence and energy. And the players, a lot of the players were seated in the front row. Terry McLaurin, Brian Robinson, and so on. And You could, you know, these are young guys, you know, you're listening to somebody, they're, they're meeting the enemy, most of them, I think, for the first time as well, and you can see their heads nodding, they're resonating with him. If you haven't seen it yet, there's a really good clip on the Washington Commander's Twitter feed of Terry McLaurin uh, telling Biennemi, hey, I want you to push me. One of Biennemi's reputations is he can get on players. He wants him to to do that with him. He he think he kind of essentially said we need maybe a kick in the butt to get go to to get to another level and maybe this guy can 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 do that. He won the press conference. That doesn't mean anything, but it makes you at least for now for the fan base and perhaps the people in that building feel pretty good about who this person is. The question's going to be now what? When you know, now that they have to get moving here, Figure out the roster. How do you intend to use the different players on it? What are the next steps? What do they need for this roster? I think all that becomes interesting. Uh, we'll talk more about the enemy here um, and what else he said. And like I said, what he didn't say in that press conference. But we've got a call here on the line. Eric in Bethesda. Thanks for calling in to 106.7 The Fan. What's on your mind? Cal. Oh, Cal in Bethesda. I apologize, Cal in Bethesda. I, can, I cannot read today. Cal, how are you? Uh, good. Yeah, it's Cal. Uh, a lot of people in the media have questioned why Eric Bieniemy came to Washington, why he chose the commanders. Do you think it's possible he thought that there's a chance he could become the head coach in a year if Ron Rivera doesn't work out? Uh, yeah, good, good, good thought. This is the, uh, I, I, this is more that like sort of the, the tinfoil hat theory, like you're, you, this is like the long con almost, like you're looking like six steps ahead. Um, I, I don't know. I guess it would be funny, right? Like we heard Sean Payton say a couple weeks ago that he's that potential owners of the Commanders, people who are looking to possibly buy the team, could, uh, 
they reach out to him to say, hey, are you interested in possibly being in charge here if we get the team? Obviously, Sean Payton moved on and, and took the Denver Broncos job. Is it possible somebody reached out to Eric Bieniemy and said, hey, FYI, I'm looking to get this team, and if we do and you're here, you know, you'd be easily on my short list of people to consider. I think that's I, I that 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 seems like a bit a bit much. But the idea that Eric Bieniemy could be that guy is interesting, right? Here's my take. If I had to guess, I'm going to guess Eric Bieniemy is here for one year. Either A, they crush it. He he really helps Sam Howell develop. The offense gets past that sort of, you know, mid to low 20 ranking in the NFL that they were in the last three years and takes them up a notch to the point that um, another team says, okay, we, we misread the situation. We want Eric Bieniemy as our guy. And if they were to be winning, then you would think Ron Rivera stays. Or everybody gets fired because they, they have a, a, another middling or losing season. A new owner comes in and says, we're just going to clean house regardless. I think those are the two more likely options. But if you're saying door number three is Bienemy does enough, but Rivera, they still want to make a change. But Bienemy's sitting right there. There were maybe some strides made with Sam Howell that they think, hey, let's do this. But keep Bienemy. We like what – look – Everybody wants a fun offense. If he can show some of that, I would get it. That would be that would be interesting. The the the, the leader of the men stuff. I don't think he's going to lack for that. How his energy and uh, vibe, how that works for this team for this locker room, I think is going to be one of those interesting things to watch for sure. But yeah, the Eric Bieniemy replacing uh, or becoming the next head coach is definitely a fun tinfoil hat theory that exists and. Why not? At this point, it's it's very much a blank slate, so we will see how that unfolds. Um, we've got plenty more here to discuss. We haven't even gotten into the ownership stuff yet. Jeff Bezos has perhaps entered the picture, but that's assuming we even know what the picture really looks like at this stage. We'll get to that next here on 106.7 The Fan. We'll talk NFL Draft in the next hour. Um, I did want to play a clip, though, from Eric Bieniemy from his press conference, uh, just to give a little sense of, for those of you who may have missed it, sort of the tone and energy uh, that he provided on uh, at the dais. I don't know what the difference between a dais and a table is, but he sat at a table or a dais uh, talking to everybody. Here is Eric Bieniemy at his press conference giving a little bit of his vision about what's going to happen here. We're going to learn to put consistent behavior on tape. One thing that's very important to me is learning to make second effort a habit. So if you can't play with any effort, I, I, I got a personal problem with that because it requires no God-given ability to play with second effort. And I'll say this once again, all right? Everybody in this league gets paid. And you don't necessarily always have to win pretty we got to learn to strain to finish if you've ever wanted anything in life you got to fight for it and that's one thing we're going to learn to do and like i said it doesn't necessarily always have to be pretty because when it's all said and done with the only two alphabets that matter is a w or an l that's all that matters i don't care how we get it as long as we find a way to get it together all right that was eric bianami on thursday Look, if if you're if you're looking for somebody to get you to help to get you motivated enough to run through that proverbial brick wall, this guy is going to get you there. 
He, I mean, just listen to him talk. A lot of, a lot of energetic, tough football guy stuff. I had somebody ask me, who on the offense do I think is going to benefit the most from Eric Bieniemy's presence? Boy, I, I, I'll tell you what. I think Eric Bieniemy is probably already in love with Brian Robinson. When he's talking about second effort and that resiliency, who showed more of that last year than Brian Robinson to come back from getting shot twice, as we know? He only misses four games, you know, beyond the fact that we're all concerned for his, you know, how is he going to make it? What, what? How serious is this? To go from that to he's back on a football field after missing the first four games, and not just back. He's back in force. Eric Bien, or Eric Bien- Brian Robinson, the offensive line we know was not that great. There weren't these gaping holes for him. But he was taking the pile and moving it yards down the field over and over again. And and I can only imagine things will be even better now that he'll have an offseason to sort of catch up with his body after what he went through. And also just, you know, having now been through the NFL grind has a better feel for that. I think that guy is going to be uh, a huge help for Eric Bieniemy, a huge help for Sam Howell. And I think a guy that will be what Eric Bieniemy is looking for to help be as a, a tone setter. Of course, Terry McLaurin, the same. And. Uh, you know, Jahan Dotson, there will be others as well, but Robinson in particular seems to make a lot of sense for an OC who was a running back coach. That said, what 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 was not in that quote were any specifics about how they're gonna do any of these things other than just a mindset of be, you know, be resilient, which is important. Don't get me wrong. But there weren't a lot of specifics. And it, and you could might say, well, well, Ben, he talked for almost a half an hour. That was a you know. 40-second clip. Yeah, you can pull up any clip from the 30 minutes or so, including the side scrum that uh, reporters had with him. There wasn't much going on there. Uh, in, in terms of specifics, we we asked him, okay, you guys are going to be bringing in another quarterback. Ron Rivera said to somebody to compete with Sam Howell. Do you have any thoughts on that? Would you like it to be a veteran? What about a rookie? A- anything about this person that you're looking for? And all he said was, Somebody to compete because the best way to get the most out of people is competing. Okay, sure. Makes sense. I get that. Uh, what, what else? I, I went so far as to say to Eric Bianami, hey, in the Super Bowl, one of your crowning achievements of your career, your team, the Kansas City Chiefs, threw two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter on really impressive plays in which you clearly learned how the Philadelphia Eagles cover a certain situation where a receiver on the far side looks like they're running across, uh, you know, behind the line, setting it up for a, an end around or something like that. And then, the, and then the receiver reversed course and went back where they came from because they saw on tape that the Eagles, the way the Eagles transition their defensive backs Everybody flows towards the way that the player is moving and left the side of the field where he was open. And that led to two touchdowns, uh, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. And Eric Bieniemy initially got credit for that. One of my colleagues, Rustin Todd, who was at the game, wrote a really fun story, and I tweeted about it uh, that day in which uh, Chad Henney, who's just retired but was Mahomes' backup, explained how during the lead-up to that big game, that Biennemi presented a clip on tape showing how the Eagles' defense reacts. Anyway, this feels like a pretty easy setup. Hey, Eric, this happened. You got a lot of credit for it. You, you know, you don't have to take. He, in my head, I'm thinking you don't have to take credit for it yourself. But here's an opportunity. 
all, a lot of this conversation has been, what did you do within this offense? Here's an example where apparently you contributed. Could you come to walk us through this process? And while he did talk about how they recognized what I just said of how the Eagles were going to rotate their defensive backs on this play, he, he didn't give a lot of the details about, well, you know, this coach came up with this and this staffer came up with that. And then the quarterback said this, like it wasn't a lot of details per se. And, and certainly not a lot about his role within that. None of the I just said means he will fail as a coordinator, but in terms of like details, we're still lacking there. And I think that's important to note because it feels like it's a lot of the details. Like everybody has said that D- Eric Bannon is a very detail-oriented coach. Mahomes has Patrick Mahomes has said that. Bianami talked about it as well. Uh, so I'm not saying it's not the case, but I, I that's part where we're still kind of lacking. You're trying to understand why this person has not been hired by teams over and over again. And if part of the issue is that it's viewed that he his role within that success was a little more minimal than some people might think. This is where you want to learn more about the vision. We're not there yet. Maybe it comes down the line. Maybe it doesn't. We will see um, how that unfolds. I, I do think, though, he was asked by me and by others about his journey here to this point, that there are a lot of his backers who are still frustrated and angry that not only did he not have to not get a head coaching job, despite a resume that's you know wildly impressive on the surface, to coming here again, not a lateral move, but still coming here to this place. Um, considering everything that's gone on here, that's not a Ron Rivera knock uh, per se. That you know, five hundred level teams that that that's commonplace. All the other stuff, you know, and including the fact that this this whole coaching staff could get blown out in a year. We'll see. But he did a good job, I thought, on that front. Of both, but yeah, he deflected. He he really he was not willing to engage in that. He spoke of, you know, being where his feet are, which we've heard Ron Rivera say some version of that as well. He's focused on the task at hand here, and I asked him specifically. I get that that's your mentality, but what do you tell all your supporters who aren't there yet, who are still fighting the fights of the past four and five years of you not getting those jobs? And he said, while well, he appreciated their support and energy this is life you get, you have good days you have bad days you deal with the situation and i did think that was a pretty good message to deliver to his players uh, the ones who were sitting there and the ones who presumably were watching the, the live stream or will just meet him you know over the over the days and weeks to come because this is the nfl you're going to get criticized uh you know whoever you know the Kansas City Chiefs uh, were you know People were a bit down on them going into this year after losing Tyreek Hill. They go on to win uh, the, the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, whoever you want to, whoever that you think is the best ever, that person has faced criticisms. You, how do you get past that? How do you either block it out? How do you take it in and then move on? Learn from learn from mistakes, what have you? I do think that was a pretty good talking point and message to send to his team. Here is a guy who has faced ample, ample. Uh, Maybe not criticism, but he's had a lot of critics out there questioning what he does. And again, half the league has interviewed him, and they all said, for a head coaching job, and they've all said, nah, we're good. It's got to mean something. This was an opportunity to vent, to 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 you know 
take jabs. He did none of that. He moved forward. And if that's a real deal, that's not just for the cameras or, or something you do at an introductory press conference. I think that can be a pretty powerful message when you're talking to these young men who, again, they're going to, you know, they're going to hear it. Even if that Washington has a really good year next year, there'll be games where, oh, here we go again, right? Where things don't look right. What's wrong with the offense? How come the defense can't stop the opposing run game or whatever it may be? If this guy, with all that he's faced in terms of, uh, you know, being a national topic to a degree, certainly a league-wide topic, can handle himself in that way, I think that does send a pretty powerful message. But I'd still like to know more details. I'd still like to know more specifics of how he intends to to run an offense, what an Eric B. Enemy offense looks like. Again, he just got here. He'll have time to study the team and the players. We'll get to that ahead. Uh, 800-636-1067, the fan. 800-636-1067, the fan. Give us a call. Talk commanders. We'll talk NFL draft at 10 o'clock. We'll talk caps in uh, later in the show. Uh, but ownership. There are reports out there, and none of them make any sense. I'll tell you what I mean next here on 106.7 The Fan. All right, welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standing here with you until 1245. We'll talk NFL draft at the top of the hour. Uh, NFL Combine is next week. Uh, the, the commanders are not going to be the front and center Topic, I wouldn't think, at the Combine. You know, middle of the pack pick. The enemy hire probably will end up being Washington's splashiest move of the offseason. But it's impossible to be around a bunch of NFL people and not talk about what's happening with the ownership. Is Dan Snyder going to sell? Who's going to buy the team? When is any of this happening? Will we ever get off this merry-go-round? All these... All these things, no doubt, will come up in some capacity. And every time there is a news story, a new report, this has been going on for years and years. People get excited. They and and look, we get it. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, it doesn't take much for anybody to understand why why fans here would be thrilled to have a new owner here, almost whomever, almost. But uh, the question is, is it going to happen? Is Dan Snyder actually going to sell the commanders? You talk to people very close to the situation, familiar with the situation, who've been around this team for a long time, who know how these things work. Some of them will very clearly tell you, yes, he is going to sell this team. Time frame, we'll see. The owners meeting in March has often been cited as perhaps the first time where this actually could happen. We'll see if that's the case or if it happens later down the line. I, I kind of think it might be a little bit later, but i that's just more of my uh, guess versus anything I've heard per se. But then there are other people who say, well, <laughs> I know, you know, again, when when this all started last last late last year, Dan Snyder, the, the, the team was saying that Dan Snyder is evaluating all situations. I should say Dan and Tanya Snyder evaluating all situations, which has led to, which includes the idea of bringing on a minority partner. And there are some people who think that is still the likely path, especially if he does not get the money they want to sell this team. 
The Denver Broncos, the last NFL team that sold, went in like, what, about four and a half million range around there? The initial reports here were like over six million, oh, million, over six billion, seven billion. Like that was where Dan Snyder was supposedly looking at, but not, but not just looking at. This is where it seemed, according to various reports over time, that this is where it was. Uh, Forbes magazine back in December reported that Snyder has gotten bids quote well north end quote of seven billion. It's good good change if you can get it. Then subsequently, I think it was the Washington Post said that when people made their initial inquiries, these were not definitive bids. The Athletic we reported a little bit, a little bit about this recently when we reported that. Josh Harris, one of the, really, frankly, the only person we know who is looking at this team uh, definitively, uh, when when he came to visit uh, the, the facility to check it out, that those in, those initial bids were not like defining bids. They were just sort of, hey, we're, we're, we're interested. We'll be more definitive later. Um, but during that initial range, the Post reported that a maximum bid was $6.3 billion. Still good money. Not seven, still pretty good and way above Denver. Well, now we have a report yesterday from the New York Post saying that the current bids out there, the the, the expected uh, bids for this team are, are, quote, far short, end quote, of $6 billion. <laughs> okay, well, that, you know, that's kind of all over the place. And I think what you have to realize when these when these reports are coming out, you know, whether we're talking about when we're talking about trade, free agency, uh, scuttlebutt note organization, whatever information is coming, you're getting it from somewhere. And some people may be wanting to spin something. Sometimes it may just be the honest fact. But you typically have multiple sources to draw from, whether inside an organization or other people around the league. Uh, could be players, could be agents, could be executives with other people, could be coaching staff within your organization, you have a, a lot of places to go to, to at least at a minimum, get a feel for the story or the actual details. This is far more complicated. This type of uh, transaction is kept very, very quiet. So I don't know where everybody is necessarily getting their information from, but it's pretty hard to confirm a lot of these stories because you don't know. And the, no doubt the spin level is going to be pretty significant, whether it's Perhaps the Dan Snyder side, the ones who are, who are throwing out that $7 billion number. Maybe it's now people who are looking to buy the team, suggesting it's lower, thus to, you know, hopefully, you know, decrease the the, the price or, or, you know, or what have you. Maybe, or, hey, who knows? Maybe it's even somebody on the NFL side saying, hey, for anybody who out there who has been shy about wanting to get in this market, the number is not as big as you think. Again, I don't have uh, you know five or six billion dollars hanging around. Maybe Caitlin does. I do not have that kind of money just sitting around here. But there are other people that do. And of course, one of the deals with buying an NFL team is you've got to have about thirty percent of that. Uh, the, the the top owner has got to be in for about thirty percent of that, and you can't have a, a excessive debt. And there's not a lot to do this. So there's not a lot of people out there who can sort of get both ends of these parameters, but but Jeff Bezos is one of them, of course, uh, one of the richest men in the world, 
owner of Amazon. Uh, he owns the Washington Post. That's why Jeff Bezos constantly comes up in this conversation because of the fact that he can write a check and outbid everybody and this thing's, this thing's over with. The Washington Post reported just this week, we were still in Ashburn on Thursday. I was still writing my story about the BNME press conference when the Post put out a story saying that Jeff Bezos has hired an investment firm to explore possibly bidding on the commanders. The, the Athletic has subsequently, we've confirmed that as well. Um, great. But now the yesterday's New York Post report says, eh, we'll see. He may not sell it at all. And if he does... He's st- Bezos, no, that's not going to happen. The the the, po- the New York Post story says that Bezos quote has been benched end quote from bidding on the team. This part of this journey has always made me laugh a little bit. I totally get why Dan Snyder would be extra petty <laughs> about Jeff Bezos ending up here because the Washington Post has been the primary outlet in terms of the various Dan Snyder investigations, and he might be like, hey. You guys have been crushing me over these years. I don't want to give it to you. The idea that he would make Bezos sell the post to buy the team, as some have reported, is laughable. Well, what difference does that make? If he buys the commanders, d- d- does it matter to Dan Snyder that Jeff Bezos still owns the post? I don't think so. Is Dan Snyder really going to turn down a 6 or $7 billion offer from Jeff Bezos if that were to come because of that pettiness, if nobody else is going to get that high? I, I don't know. Possible. You know, when you're turning down a billion dollars, that doesn't seem like the you know a move that people tend to make. Just call me crazy on that one. And I guess ultimately my point here is, we are closer to something happening. What that something is, good luck figuring it out. Certainly, good luck by if you're trying to tr- chase down all these reports. I'm sure there's truth in it within here. I'm sure there's exaggeration within here. It's our job, not just as reporters, but as people interested in the story, to try to rationally look at the information we, we get and figure out what is happening here. I still would say at this point that he sells the team. To whom, for how much, when, couldn't tell you. And am I 100% saying he's th- this is over? I am not. There's too, much inform- there's too many people saying it, it may not happen. And as you can see with these reports, everything is all over the place. Uh, what's what's going to happen next week, though, is definitive. The NFL Combine, big step towards the NFL Draft. We'll get to that next here on 106.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.